Good morning. Today is Sunday, February the 10th, 2013. We're at the First United Methodist Church of Fountain Valley, California, through the Bible Sunday School class. We've been in the book of Zechariah. We're going to pick it up today at 13, verse 7. And Bill Beverly has offered to open us in prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee for this day. We thank Thee for this opportunity to come together with friends in Thy Word, in Thy family. Father, be with us. Help us in our decision-making. Help us to see the light. Help us to do the right thing, Lord. Yes. Help us to stand up to it. Be with us, Father. Help us. We ask in Thy name. Amen. Exactly right, Bill. Ask God to help us. <clears throat> We've been in the book of Zechariah, and we uh, last week we were talking about the uh, the prophetic passages of God breaking two staves, favor and union, annulling an old covenant to bring in a new covenant. Uh, and it was annulled on the day, and the sheep traders knowing it, in verse 11, and the lordly price, the 30 shekels of silver paid for him. And that's in chapter 11. And then in chapter 12, these aspects of Christ's passion coming through Zechariah, hundreds of years before any of it happened. In chapter 12, we have that he would pour out, at verse 10, on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace, and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced. So, the word is so clear, look on whom, him whom they have pierced. That they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the begotten one. And they, it was cared, it was compared to as great as the mourning of King Josiah. And we had gone back into uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 35 and how Josiah had gone out against, um, forget who the king was now, was it Pharaoh? Yeah, but anyways, he lost his life. And the mourning was great and the 2 Chronicles tells us that Jeremiah wrote a lament, remember? And I talked about how a song was written. It was probably a country song about the death of Josiah. If anybody, you know, what is it? You lose your dog, lose your truck, lose your woman. <laughs> you got that mother in there. And your mother. <laughs> so that was two chronicles. And the land would mourn. And I think this, this spirit that God will pour out, a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, it's like an in-gathering to me. It's like a pouring out of his spirit, spirit of repentance, the pleas for mercy, that the realization that they took the life of the king of kings, but that it was all in a divine plan to save their very souls, will all come home to them. And then they will mourn this one their king whom they pierced. So these, these, these various aspects of who Christ is, 11 sold for 30 pieces, thrown to the potter, 12, the one whom they have pierced. Well, here at, verse, at chapter 13, we have another aspect. 
And this is a Waco sword, verse 7, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me. Now that is so huge to me. That is Christ's exalted position, is next to the Lord. In fact, what he's doing there is making intercession for us. So I, I, a couple of passages, you know, you always have to go back to Hebrews. Mm -hmm. Hebrews is like the Old Testament just explained. <laughs> but I wrote down a couple here. It says, uh, chapter 1 of verse 3, uh, chapter 1 of Hebrews, verse 3, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power, and after making purification for sins... He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And I love this name for God, the majesty. And maybe that's what inspired um, Jack Hayford when he wrote his majesty song, uh, praise song, because he is the majesty. And then we'll go to understand that he is next to the Father and he is ever living to make intercession for us. And so Zechariah here says that the shepherd will be struck. So, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, this one who is pierced. Against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts, Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. I will put this third into the fire, refine them as one refines silver, and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. They will, I will say they are my people, and they will say the Lord is my God. <clears throat> now, the striking of the shepherd was necessary. The sheep truly were scattered. I, I, see, I see them abandoning Christ in the garden. I see the, um, him dying there alone on the cross, <coughs> save for John and his mother. I see them hovering in the upper room, so afraid. Um, but the striking of the shepherd was part of an eternal plan before the foundation of the world. And then it goes on to discuss this remnant, this one-third left alive, this two-thirds cut off, um, that God's judgment will sift true believers and we have many passages of the tares and the wheat um, that, that believers will have to go through things and endure. So we can't put it all together except we know that those who stay in faith are refined like metal. The book of Job, we had the furnace, the furnace of affliction, the testing seven times to come out pure. We had in Ezekiel brands pulled from the fire. Remember, there's, there's multiple, multiple places that there is a baptism of suffering and a baptism of fire, the affliction of God's people that refines them and 
turns them into gold and silver. And actually, we could speak to what we were discussing before we even turned the recorder on about some of the, the troubles that we were sharing with our own church, that we are being refined and tested. Mm -hmm. And the result of that is calling on the name of the Lord. I love that choir song. Call upon the name of the Lord. Oh, yeah. Have faith. Oh, I love that. But this also harkens us back to Hosea. And Paul will bring it up in Romans that Hosea enacts the marriage to a prostitute, Gomer. Gomer produces three children. The first one, Jezreel. The second one is, well, one is not my people. I have to go back there. Yeah, those are the those Hebrew names for them. We'll just go back to Hosea for the three children. I was reading about them, but first Jezreel. Jezreel was a, <clears throat> a son, firstborn. And <clears throat> the Valley of Jezreel, of course, is a very... Um, historic spot because that's where Jehu, the bloody man that took over Ahab's kingdom, created his own dynasty, but he really was very bloody. And so here Hosea will say at 1-4, call his name Jezreel for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel and put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. We also have beautiful prophecies about Jezreel, too. So God does tends to go back to these places. Um, like what Achan died, the Valley of Achor becoming the Door of Hope. So these, these physical geographic places have deep spiritual meaning because when God calls them forth again. So this was the first one, the son. The second one was a daughter, and she was no mercy. That was her name. And Karen said... The, it was Loruama, the Hebrew name, Loruhama. Not, no mercy, or literally, she has not received mercy. And of course, we just had here the pleas for mercy. And then the third daughter, I mean, the third one was a son. So son, daughter, son. And the son, the third son, third child, second son, was not my people. And that was the uh, word Loami. Literally, I am not yours. I am not yours. That is the most amazing thing about our covenant is that my beloved is mine and I am his. And this ownership that Christ has is because he bought us. He paid the price. So when Zechariah says they, they will call on me these tested ones, these refined ones, and he will answer them saying, you are my people. You are my people. And the ownership of God's people by the Lord himself is celebrated in many things. It's celebrated in Ruth when we have your people will be my people and your God will be my God. She was the redeemed one, the one that was redeemed by her nearest kinsman. And so 
God here will change their name. You are my people, and they will say, you are our God. Now, they love that. I hope I find the right passage. It's in Romans, where Paul will bring this up. So let's see if I can find it. If it's Romans. I wasn't planning to say this, but... Um, I think it's Romans, about, right? Oh, Romans 9, yeah. which is, of course, the difficult chapter. Uh, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. But he says here, speaking of his own people, for he said to Moses, verse 15, chapter 9, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Then if you move forward to verse 25, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. So, God's promise is sure. It has been all throughout that he will have a people. And so here in Zechariah, I hear Hosea, I hear Romans 9. They will call to me, I will answer them. And I will say, you are my people. They will say, the Lord is my God. So, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But lots of testing, lots of furnace, lots of fire. <laughs> and um, to be his purchased possession. But he has given us the inheritance that belongs to Christ himself. I've been reading my favorite, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And he talks about how what is Christ is us and how what really being in Christ means. We were in all his, we were, we were one with him in all of his suffering. We will be one with him in all of his glorification. But for now, we just have the down payment. The promise asked to walk in faith, believing that promise, the earnest of our inheritance, the spirit which he has given us. His spirit tells us we are his people. It doesn't matter what we feel. His spirit tells us that we are his people. Chapter 14. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord. And we talked about that, the day of the Lord. When the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, the houses plundered, and the women raped. Oh, this is great. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight. Then the Lord will go out and fight. The battle is the Lord's. And he will fight against those nations as one as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two. 
from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mountain shall move northward, northward and the one other half southward. And you, I love this verse, and you shall flee to the valley of my mountains. Whose mountains? My mountains. Whose earth? My earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. <clears throat> and you will flee to those to the, the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains so reach to Azal. Clearly a place in Jerusalem, precise location not known. Now, it's almost as if his standing on the Mount of Olives is to create this valley where the people will flee. Isn't that interesting? I don't know. It just thought that came to me. And you'll be fleeing, he said, just like you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And um, I went back and read about that earthquake. And it is truly mentioned in... Um, where? Where did I find that? Is that when... I'd kind of forgotten about this earthquake. Um, is it... Bad, bad, bad. Let's see. I read about the earthquake. Okay, that might be Amos. One more. Yep. And I'd forgotten the words of Amos. Sometimes we just read the little opening verse like, okay, fine, 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 the kings, yeah. whatever. <laughs> the word of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, when he saw, what he saw, when he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. This is a southern man, a man of the southern kingdom, who God opens his eyes to see what will happen to the northern kingdom. Hmm. When? In the days of Uzziah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. So Uzziah reigning in the southern kingdom, Jeroboam in the northern kingdom. And the Lord gave him these visions two years before the earthquake. Now we know that earthquakes are huge in the Bible. And remember we were discussing last week, I brought my Spurgeon book on the second coming, how he said there's so many pieces and we keep trying to fit them all together mm -hmm. so we can create what the proper eschatology is to believe. Everybody wants to go to one more study of Revelation so they can really get the eschatology yeah. right. I think it's pointless. Everything will be true. How it all fits together, we can't completely see. And we won't know until it's happening. But we do know that earthquakes are featured. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Jesus in Matthew 24 talks about earthquakes. People fleeing and running and praying that stones would fall on them, remember? <clears throat> so it's kind of interesting here that there would be these huge clefts made as a mountain. Part of it moves northward. Part of it moves southward. People fleeing like they did in the days of Uzziah. I was trying to think if I read somewhere, you know, like some of the volcanic eruptions... That happened like, well, there was a big one that was, they've actually found people kind of preserved, like you could see they were, yeah. run, Vesuvius, uh -huh. they could see they were running, you know, yeah. kind of stuff like that, fleeing, yeah. panic. Um, and it said, then the Lord my God will come, then he will come, and all the holy ones with him. Now, who are they? Oh, yeah, that's the question. Angels, maybe, maybe us, maybe 
some of the spirits of just men made perfect? Who knows? But some holy ones are coming. I have a feeling it's more than the angelic, but I'm not really sure. No one's really sure. We just know holy ones. Well, God's all about holiness. That's what the whole thing's about, that we would be holy as he is holy. Holiness with, without which no one shall see the Lord. have to go back to that one because, you know, what book? Hebrews, of course. Hebrews 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Had a few of those. And make straight paths for your feet. So that what? So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So here, the holy ones with him, beholding, obviously, God in his holiness. And on that day there shall be no light, cold, or frost. And there shall be a unique day, which is known to the Lord. Well, Jesus told us that. When will these things happen? The time and place is the Father. You know, he said that. You guys just read the signs. A unique day known to the Lord. Neither day nor night, but at evening time there shall be light. I think I was reading in my favorite, the reverse of the crucifixion. Remember? Uh, yeah. At daytime, the sun refused to shine on the brokenness of the king. And on this second advent, there will be light in the evening. Well, there's always a light shining in the darkness, and that's just the way it is with God. On that day, living water shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea, half of them to the western sea. Physical waters, spiritual waters, maybe both, but we know that waters are a big way that God in the scripture talks about his presence and his refreshing. Huge refreshing from God. Waters flowing. Waters flowing. John chapter 7 on that great day of the feast out of your bellies will flow rivers of living waters. When I was first filled with the spirit I remember being in prayer and having a vision and I knew nothing about this. I went to talk to the pastor. What did I see? I saw myself diving into a swimming pool. That's how I felt when I was praying. Diving into a pool of water. And it's truly what I was doing. I was diving into the Spirit. And those living waters that bring life. The waters are celebrated when we talk about the New Jerusalem. Remember? The streams that make glad the city of God, the psalmist tells us. These streams. And the Lord, oh, it shall continue summer as in winter. So the outpouring, the living waters, never ceasing. Every season will have the living water. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. Well, yes. And on that day, what you have prayed for thousands of years, the great Shema, on that day, the Lord will be one and his name will be one. That's the uh, 
prayer, Deuteronomy 6, you have to go watch Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. Remember? Where, uh, what was Tevye's wife saying? Golda. Golda. She starts the Sabbath, remember? And that's uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Golda. Hero, Israel. Deuteronomy 6, 4. <clears throat> Hero, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you will love him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your right. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. I think it is our... What better time to end than with a great Shema? And he will be king, he will be one, and his name one. So, with that, would you close us in prayer? Sure. Lord, as we uh, end this day of study, I just praise and thank you for how you again, in, enable us to see that um, you are in control of all things. It doesn't matter what's going on. It just matters how we believe and um, re enter into the life you've given us. And I just pray, Lord, for wisdom and power and discernment. Thank you so much for Vicki and her teaching. And would you just enable this whole um, issue of... Um, church relationships to be taken care of peacefully and and with you with you and i thank you in jesus name amen amen you have been listening to bible study verse by verse with vicki mulak for more of these podcasts and some resources please go to our website at www BibleStudyVBV.org. O-R-G. That's www.BibleStudy. V is in Victor, B is in Boy, V is in Victor. The VBV stands for Verse by Verse.org. O-R-G. There you can register and contact us or just leave a comment. We welcome your feedback. Thank you. This is George Mulek.